0: Welcome to Mo Chat, the podcast, a podcast about women stepping out of their comfort zone to live life on their terms. What if you truly believe you have the ability to create the life you want? What if you decide to live life out of the box? And what if you decide to ignore the naysayers and take bold steps to build your vision? Now, what would that vision look like? Every episode, we chat with women on the journey of stepping out of their comfort zone and living life on their terms. Now I'm your host, Mo Jones. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mo Chats. I am so excited for this episode. I have the wonderful Kaylee Williams with me, and I cannot wait to get into a great chat with her. Kaylee is a wife and a mama to four beautiful girls. She is also a mindset coach and runs Earthy Executive, where she helps clients turn their passions into action, and that is something that she has done herself as a world traveler and as someone who loves traveling and learning about different cultures and different lives. Kaylee has lived and traveled in some amazing places, and I can't wait to hear more about her travels. She has living life on her own terms all over it. And I am so excited to have the wonderful Kaylee Williams here with me today. Hey, Kaylee. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, this is awesome. (laughs) This is so great. I can't wait to get into it. First of all, I have to say I have been admiring Kaylee for a while. And I have a love for travel, and Kaylee does too as well. But what Kaylee has done is she has really put her love for travel into action. And I want to hear about how you
1: started doing this traveling thing. <laughs> Let's, do Let's do it. What inspired you? Yeah. You know what? I my, So I didn't grow up traveling. I grew up pretty lower to middle class. And my first trip on a plane wasn't, and that was, gosh, 19, 19 years old. And it was a, a trip to Jamaica. And I think, I don't know what it was, but from that experience of just getting out of the country, seeing a new place, eating different food, hearing new sounds, feeling a different air. All of it combined, I just was bitten. I was just bitten. I do say, as I'm saying this, I am thinking back to, I didn't travel, like literally travel until I was 19. But what I did do, is I read a lot. And so I think from that, I transported myself to many lands all over the world from the time I could start reading. And really, I think that was where it started. So I love that. You were
0: an avid reader that allowed you to see opportunities for different places. And then at 19, you got the courage to get on a plane and travel. Now, did you get on the plane by yourself for the first time or were you with other people? That's
1: a great question. Uh, I don't know that I've shared this. So I, I got on the plane with someone who I barely knew. Wow. Actually. <laughs> Now talk about courage. (laughs) I mean, I was 19 and you do those kind of things when you're 19.
0: (laughs) That's true. The the beauty of youth, right?
1: (laughs) Totally. So it worked out, it worked out, but now I'm like horrified at the thought of my girls doing the same thing, which I'm sure at least one of them will. Right.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So you, and what made you choose Jamaica?
1: Yeah. So Jamaica. So, you know, this person actually, he was a good, he was a friend. He was a friend. I, I didn't know him well enough to be traveling with him. He wasn't, we weren't in a romantic relationship at all. We were just good friends. Steve the juggler, actually. He was a, a well-known juggler in <laughs> Ohio and an actual juggler. He's pretty good. So he, he, yeah. I'm thinking you my, got on a plane at 19 with I know. Steve, the juggler. I know this, look, look, y'all. I don't even think my parents know this story. <laughs> I don't even think they know this story, but oh he, for whatever reason, had relationships with folks there and wanted to go. And I was curious and I actually, at the time I was taking a a sociology anthropology class in college. And my professor for that particular class, her focus was Caribbean studies. And so I figured if I could get some sort of independent research credit from my experience traveling to Jamaica, then this would be win-win, right? So I could go see this new place with my friend who wanted to travel for his own reasons. But I could also go to to see this new place, but also get credit for college. And it and I did. It ended up working. So I went there to <laughs> So yeah, I I went and like did my own rough, very rough qualitative research, independent research while I was there for a few months.
0: Not only did you get on a plane at 19 with Steve the juggler, you managed (laughs) to make traveling work for you so that you can get credit for independent research. Talk about totally making it work for you and maximizing it and finding a way to get to another country along Mm -hmm. the process and just expand your world.
1: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm pretty resourceful.
0: (laughs) There you go, it's all about being resourceful. So after Jamaica, Mm -hmm. what, and you finally have left your homeland and you've seen another country, what did you feel? What was resonating within, within you that made you want to continue this traveling
1: bug? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I can pinpoint it, you know, what it was. I think it was just the sense that there's some, there's more out there. Just this feeling of just, there's more sort of interesting stuff to experience. I'm from Indiana originally and it could be interesting in its own if you don't know Midwestern culture or if you're not from Indiana, it could be interesting for sure. But I think for me, I had a conventional upbringing and just we didn't even know in indiana we didn't really have it was black and white you were black Mm -hmm. or you were white like we didn't there was no not even latinos really were there obviously but there wasn't a huge community of diversity racial and cultural diversity that i was exposed to growing up and so just even seeing that there is this other other culture for me was like wow okay that are eating foods totally different than i ate listening to music totally different than i ate speaking in ways that i had no couldn't understand for me i just felt invigorated by by all of that and i wanted more that is great because
0: that's what's so beautiful about traveling you get to see another side of the world, you get to see different people, and you get to learn about different cultures. And having that desire to want more is what keeps you going and Mm -hmm. helps you keep going on that adventure. So after Jamaica, what was the next place that you traveled?
1: Yeah, so I was, I I returned back to to school. It was Denison University in um, Ohio. And I was sitting in class one day and I thought to myself, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> I really wow. don't want to be here. And then I re- I can remember this so vividly. It was like, I was having this d- dialogue, like a literal conversation with myself. And I was like, well, Kaylee, where would you rather be? And I thought, I want to be somewhere learning Spanish. I want to be learning a different language. And Spanish was to me, the most exotic language (laughs) that I could possibly learn. So that was it. At some point, I don't know the timing, but at some point that this was early on, this was probably in August or September, early in the semester I went to my professor, it was a Spanish class that I was in, and I went to my professor, who was this guy who was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if you've seen the Dead Poet Society. I have. Literally, he was like, probably modeled off the, the professor in the Dead Poet Society, just very charismatic and alive with, passion for teaching. And I went to one of his office hours and was just like, Dr. Jaramillo, I really don't want to be here. I, I would love to go to a Spanish speaking country and learn the language and just live for a, a little while. I'm thinking of going to Mexico. What do you think about that? And he is like, all right, he's don't go to Mexico. <laughs> and I don't know why to this day, I don't know why he said not Mexico, but he was like, you should go to Costa Rica. And so then he start listing like all the reasons why I should go. I think he mentioned that it was a, a relatively safe country. It was high literacy rate there. The Spanish, I think he commented about the, the actual Spanish that's spoken there is pretty, is good, whatever that means. And as I was sitting there listening to him. And I was listening to him. I shamefully had to ask at the end of his soliloquy, and he was so proud, where's Costa Rica? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like, I, don't even, I don't even know. He looks at me like, oh my God. All right. Like, and so we get out a map and he points to and shows me where it is on the map. And, and I'm like, all right, I'm down. So At that, I think it was only like a week or so later, I withdrew from the university. I moved back to Indiana for the next few months, got a job, saved up some money, and got on a plane for Costa Rica that January, a few months later.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is so good. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And and so how old are you around that
1: time? 1920? Oh yeah, 1920.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you not only are in college, you decide to you're going to withdraw from college when you are your family is probably thinking you are having the experience of your lifetime. You're getting a college opportunity because that's what, quote unquote, one does right after high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you have this whisper inside of you that says, Kaylee, you need to travel. You need to go learn Spanish. And you listen to that. Yeah. And I think so many of us might get those whispers, even adults right now, right? You get those whispers and you tend to ignore them, but here you are at like 19, 20, and you're getting those whispers and you actually listened and you followed that. What do you think, what do you think you had that led you to that? Because I can tell you Mm -hmm. right now at 19, I think if I I had whispers and I clearly was not at the point where I was ready to listen to them for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. but you did And so what do
1: you think led you to really follow, uh, follow through with that? It's a good question. It's a good question. The thing that comes up first that's coming up for me now is I guess my mother in a way and my family in general, I'd say I was the middle of, of three girls and all like my sisters and I, we were all like very far apart in age, like 10, 10 years, um, or 9 years younger than my oldest sister and 11 years older than my youngest sister. But I think I more than they and really more than anyone in my family was given this I wouldn't even call it black sheep because it it's not a negative almost this title of oh, Kaylee's just different. That's what she does. She just is that way but it was almost in a in an endearing way in an uh, accepting way i would wear tennis shoes with my dresses and it's just kaylee it's fine it's what she does or i would i don't know i think a lot of us made those like snow cone thing i I don't maybe not i think this is called the, the 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 poor man's dessert where you would go out and get snow and put syrup or honey or something. Yeah. <laughs> on it. Or like we would take bread and take the crust off and ball it up in a ball and dip it in honey. Or I did that and brought it to our family and they're like, oh, okay. This is interesting, but I'll try it. I, I don't, for whatever reason, I think I was given, I was allowed to be different, which I think was a, the biggest gift that my family has given me. And I think that really maybe more than anything else and i have to really think about what it what else it was but maybe more than anything else really in a way gave me permission to think outside of the norm i, I didn't have this sort of fear of what will my family think i would agree i think when you are given that kind of
0: gift and your family truly sees you and can encourage being you and seeing who you are Mm -hmm. that really does allow you to go further and allows you to experience life at a whole different level so kudos to them for giving you that gift that has served you your whole life up thus far and will continue to serve you so I think that that is just priceless truly priceless Mm -hmm. so now you end up in Costa Rica yeah, And you are learning Spanish, so you're by yourself, you're mm-hmm. by yourself, and you're like 19, 20 years old, by yourself in Costa Rica. What was, did you, okay, I have so many questions about <laughs> that, and I don't even know where to start. I'm like, we could probably be here all night, but I guess, what was one of your greatest lessons
1: during that mm. time? Mm -hmm. One of my greatest lessons. Oh gosh. I don't know. I could, I, there's a lot of places I want to go with that. Wow. I, so I'll just talk and then let's see what comes out. I don't know. So one of the, one of the things that's coming up for me now is that when I went to Costa Rica, I, I, I definitely fashioned myself even at 1920 as progressive and liberated woman. And I didn't engage in gender norms or racial norms, or any sort of norms, and I could do it myself. I was definitely one of these girls who was like, I can do anything boys can do and better type. And I think while in one way that can definitely serve a young woman, I did learn eventually how just being so rigid in thought about who you think you are can really not serve, especially if you're in a different culture and you're confronted with different norms. So one example that's coming to mind is Costa Rica is Latin America. And so there's this, it's known that there's this like machismo that Latin Americans operate under in, in culturally. And so their gender norms are more defined I'd say so I can remember being in an airport in the airport and I had, I don't know how many luggages that I was carrying all myself. And I, I was like, I can carry all these things myself. And I remember guys asking me, do you, can I help you, ma'am? Can I be like, no, <laughs> I can do this myself. And, but that sort of hard edge, I, it, I took that into my experience there. And there are many times when it it didn't serve me. And so I learned how to not be, I guess, self-defined by what it was that I thought was being a strong woman. You know what I mean? There's a way to be a strong woman without being so rigid about the things that we can't or we shouldn't do. I think that's, probably one of the biggest lessons that I took because I'm often, I'm not traveling every day now, but I do go into different environments that are maybe culturally different and not culturally in the big sense, like Latin culture or whatever, like country wise, but even somebody interacting with somebody who grew up differently than I did. I think it taught me not to be so rigid, to soften a little bit. And it's one thing to be s- certain about who you are and about your identity and comfortable with that. But it's another thing to be unbending. So I, I don't know. I would say that's probably
0: so one of the biggest lessons. It definitely sounds like a, a big lesson. In a way, you had to learn how to redefine yourself right redefine yes. yourself through a different lens that you finally got to see and appreciate and it gave you an opportunity to step back and say okay this I can still be this strong woman without having this rich, rigid box that oh, I yeah. have to stay within and check off all the time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I could be gentle and smile and feminine and that was okay. And that wasn't, that wasn't anything against that. didn't have anything that, that didn't make me less strong and less fierce and less powerful. And that was a lesson that I learned in Costa Rica, like in Latin America, for sure. Because I I, I definitely thought that in order to project power and strength and confidence I had to be even at 19 I felt like I had to be stern faced and and just hard and yeah that was that was
0: I think that's so great that you were able to discover that in Costa Rica I think that's so great how long were you there for I was there for three years yeah three years Mm -hmm. three years so you definitely picked up Spanish
1: I did. I learned it pretty well. I started dreaming in Spanish. They say that you really are incorporating a language once you start dreaming in the language. Yeah, I learned it pretty well.
0: That is great. Wow. Mm -hmm. Three years. Now, and was there ever a moment where you said, I either want to go back or I want to stay here forever?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I want to go back. Definitely happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't think that I don't know that I ever thought that I would stay there forever. And to to this day, I don't know that there's anywhere that I want to stay forever. I, I just, I have a hard time envisioning that for myself. I feel like I'm just a perpetual nomad, but yeah, there was a time for, for sure where I was like, all right, it's time to go. And when it was time to go for me in Costa Rica, it just so happened that there was like the government shut down here. I think Bill Clinton was in office and they shut down everything, the post offices and everything. And what I learned was that I, I didn't have money to get back home. I, I didn't learn that. I knew that I didn't have <laughs> money to get back home, but what I what I learned was if you're stuck in another country, then you can go to the embassy and they have to send you back to the border, to one of the borders. You, you eventually have to pay that back, but they, ha- they at least will pay for your trip to whatever border is closest. And so that's what I did. There was a little bit of, it wasn't super easy because again, there was this government shutdown happening. But I was eventually, I was given the choice to be sent back to Florida or Texas. And I chose Florida. Florida, Texas. (laughs) I'm going with Florida. (laughs) At least both is still
0: sun and warmth. Oh my goodness. So I want to backtrack just a little bit because I would love to know what was a typical day like for you? Here you are, you're living in Costa Rica, Mm. you're by yourself and think, that during that time, there was Mm -hmm. no cell phone. There was not Mm -hmm. easy access through email per se. You didn't have FaceTime or Zoom where you could connect with people.
1: So what was a typical day like for you while you were there? Yeah, that's that's a good point. There was none of that. Email was just coming out, but no, there wasn't any sort of technology like that. Typical day is hard because it varied and and it definitely varied by year. When I first started, when I first got there, I'll be honest, I, and this kind of speaks to that sort of tough veneer, like exterior that I had. When I first got there, I remember leading up to the um, time I got on the airplane, I was like, I'm going to Costa Rica, I'm doing this thing. And I got on the plane and I can remember like, just taking off and then I just started crying. Oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm crazy. This is I don't speak Spanish. I don't know anything. I was just sobbing. Let's take in that moment because
0: yeah. when you have that whisper and you're called to do something and yeah. you jump on it, it doesn't always mean that there might not be any fear that shows up. Oh my God. You go ahead, yeah. you do it. And then all of a sudden the reality of what you're doing just like yes. takes you and you're like, what have I gotten myself into? Mm-hmm. but that didn't stop you. Then again, you were also in an airplane, so you couldn't get off. <laughs>
1: <True>. <laughs> no way to true. go. Totally. But,
0: you yes. know, you had, at that moment, you realize, what am yeah. I doing?
1: What am I doing? I have no idea where I'm going. I've barely been on a plane before, so I don't even know if this is going to actually land. And I'm meeting, so I, my professor, who's just, oh, God rest his soul, like the most, the, the kindest person, he'd actually put me into contact with his sister and her husband who were living in Costa Rica at the time. So I knew that they were going to meet me at the airport and, and they did. And I trusted that they, they would, and they did. So I, but I didn't know them, but not talked to, to them before. But so when I first got there, I was scared and I ended up living in I stayed with them for a week and then I ended up moving into like essentially a bed and breakfast that was run by this woman in a part of San Jose, uh, Costa Rica. And she was like a mama, you know, she just mm-hmm. like mama, everybody who came in, she wasn't super old. Now yeah, I can say that I mean, she's probably my age now, <laughs> but it was just very nurturing and warm and sh- savvy and just, and, but these people would be coming in and out of, of her home that had different rooms in it. And I stayed there. I did not leave that place for a good three to four months. Like I was terrified. To go outside and interact with people because I I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know anything. And so it took me, and I've learned this about myself. You asked about what you learn about yourself. So I've learned that for me, when I move and I've moved a lot since Costa Rica, (laughs) but when I, when I go to a new place, it's helpful for me to get oriented, like almost from the inside out. So if I can get oriented to my home and then neighborhood and then work out from there, it's more helpful for me. My husband is totally different. Like he, <laughs> we learned this like first year of marriage, which did, had some challenges, but he's like the opposite. He's bringing everybody in and going out and, and I'm, you know, disoriented that way. But I didn't leave for a good three months and wow! I, I got to know the other folks who were coming in and out of the bed and breakfast and got to know the, the woman running it really well. And then at a certain point, I got up the nerve to branch out. And then from there, it just ballooned into other experiences. <laughs> You know, so there wasn't really a typical day. It's it was it was all a definitely a journey. What it sounds like you're telling me is that you
0: knew that you had to get in into that space within yourself first.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: And I think mm-hmm. if you are going to take that chance in life and decide to live life out of the box, you have to find a way to get yourself through it yeah. and so by knowing what you needed to help you in that journey and in that process you allowed yourself you allowed yourself the space you needed because if you didn't it could have turned into a different way and maybe it might have been a more miserable experience but by mm-hmm. tuning into that you made space and so you stayed in longer but then once you felt ready, then these wonderful, beautiful experiences started to reveal themselves to you.
1: Yeah. That's a, I love how you reach that because at the time I definitely wouldn't have um, described it that way. But I think the point that you're, you've just illustrated is that often it's important for us to trust our intuition. And I know that we have all had moments where we may have a thought or a feeling and just get down on ourselves. Like, why am I thinking this thing? Why am I feeling this way? And I should be doing this and why am I not doing that? But I think what you've illustrated is that oftentimes when you just go with it, even if you don't know the reason why, that the answer can come and I, I would not have. At that time, I would not have said, okay, Kaylee, the reason why you're not wanting to go out and explore is because (laughs) you need to explore within for, I would not, I was just scared, I think, but I do think there's something to that. Like there, there, you know, there, and I'm sure there were days, and I know for a fact, there were days when I was, God, you've come all this way, just go out the door. And I don't know. And I didn't, I didn't. So I would say that oftentimes, if you do just trust your intuition and have some sort of compassion for yourself that yourself understands, has an understanding bigger than even your brain, that sometimes eventually that lesson will reveal itself
0: definitely i I couldn't agree with that more and I mean, as, as I'm thinking about it and I'm picturing you not ready to go outside here you are you're 19 you're 20 and you've left your family and you're in a whole other country so it's almost like you had to really get a full sense of the experience but you had made it there already so that was good you were you knew you were in the right space but yet you just needed that that space to get yourself ready to get to the next step and sometimes sometimes maybe that has to be it has to be that way because sometimes we take a big jump like that's a big jump you Mm -hmm. left your family went to another country you were with no one that you're 19 20 years old so that's already a big jump and so the heart mind and body has got to adjust to that big jump That's Mm -hmm. already happening. And it's okay. I know I've got another step to take, but right now this is where I need to be Mm -hmm. before I get to that next jump. For sure. Love that. Love that. Love that. So after Costa Rica, how many countries have you visited?
1: Oh, I've not counted. I really haven't. I don't know. I I don't know. I'd have to think about it, but I, I did, I've not lived in a lot of countries, but I've visited a lot just because I was in the music business uh, for a while and we had shows in most of most of Europe, most of the countries throughout Western Europe at least and the Caribbean. And then and then I've just I've not traveled extensively in Asia, although I would love to, and that's definitely—I feel very pulled towards Asia now, even though I don't know that it's in our future anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I've traveled, visited a good number of countries. (laughs) I don't know how many. I I need to do that. That's you you should. Yeah,
0: do that calculation. It would be interesting to see how many and. You said you haven't lived in many places. Did you live in another country after Costa Rica for that period of time or longer? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, I lived in, so after Costa Rica was Miami for a little while. And then I moved to Germany for, gosh, three and a half years, four years as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty long
0: time. And how different was Germany from Costa Rica?
1: (laughs) Very. (laughs) It's like the polar opposite. In some respects, it was very Latin culture versus Germanic kind of, I mean, like the stereotype is not far off. We, I I just, I remember getting, getting on the bus in Costa Rica and you'd sit down and then the person next to you is like talking to you right away. Whereas in Germany, no, nobody's talking to you like that. Like on the street, but interestingly enough, I actually really loved Germany. I really loved being there. It was, first of all, it's a beautiful country. Like, just like geographically, it's beautiful and very green oriented. And I, like, I found that Germans, while they weren't as easy to get to know as let's say, Costa Ricans. Once you got to know them, it was like friend for life. Like yeah. it was, and for me, like as an American, that's another piece. Like you really understand your Americanness, which I mean, this is a whole other t- podcast for another time. But especially as a Black American, when I don't necessarily feel American in this country. You realize how American you are <laughs> when you're outside of America. But but as an American, where we have this culture of, I think we have this culture here where we're very much, you meet someone and then you're best friends and then you're like, I'll call you and then I'll call you too. And then nobody ever calls anyone. Like it's very, and it's not, I don't think it's a surface thing. I think it's just whatever people get busy and you. It's just polite. It's just the way we are in this country, I think. And I think it's well intended. But in Germany, what I've learned is that when someone says they're going to call you, they're going to, they're going to actually call you. When you tell someone that you're going to call them, then you better actually call them. It's not that they don't just say things just because it's the nice thing to say or the polite thing to say. And I learned to, I really value, I respected that actually. I really respected that.
0: I can see that as something that's really valuable because we, like you said, for whatever reason, we meet people and we say that, I'll call you, let's get together. And it's through no ill intent on either Mm -hmm. part, but Mm -hmm. life gets in the way and people understand that. And I don't think people take it personally, but I think it's really It it speaks to the the culture where if you say I'm going to call you, they really expect that call Mm -hmm. and they wait for it. It does speak to that culture, which again, I say the beauty of traveling because it allows you to learn and see how other cultures operate and how they function and what they value so that you can see that there is another way of how people do things.
1: For sure. Absolutely.
0: So valuable. Oh my goodness. We could really talk so much about your travel journeys. I think you could have your own podcast about your travel (laughs) journeys. Really so much good stuff here. Good stuff. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I want to ask, I want to chat just a little bit more about your travel journey, but I really Mm want to talk about Earthy Executive because I think that has Your traveling and being a perpetual nomad, I think, has helped you and led you to Earth Executive, which I think is pretty cool and pretty amazing. But through all of your travels, what was one of the main things within yourself? That continued to carry you?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing I mentioned this politeness of culture. And I think the one thing that has been consistent and helpful for me is I attribute it to being like a sort of Midwestern culture. Like before I never I would not deny I was from Indiana. Indiana is not sexy. (laughs) It's not (laughs) people think, oh, the US. They think California, New York, these places. And Indiana, people think corn, people think New Yorkers think it's the South for whatever is weird. Like when I moved to New York and I would tell people are from Indiana, they'd be like, oh, down south and no. But I think one of the 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 Things about one of the characteristics of being from the Midwest and specifically from Indiana is we we have this thing culturally it's called who's your hospitality and it's mm. just this like sense of just being a place of refuge and familiarity and comfort where you welcome everyone and I think As much as I wanted to get away, I think initially when I was, when I left for college and I did my travels, it was more out of a sense of running away really. And like, just not wanting to be in Indiana and wanting to to be anywhere else, somewhere else. I, I don't think I'm there anymore, but I think what I've recognized and I'm willing to recognize now is that. The part of me that has remained consistent is this heart and this value for just being a sort of open in a way, like being open to experiencing other people as they are, whether they're similar to you in some way or very different than you in some way. But it's an openness, and I think that openness has allowed me to connect with people whenever I've traveled, and I think that's probably the thread that's been most consistent in my travel, and it's the aspect of me that I feel, one of the, one of the main aspects of, of me that I feel has been important to, to pass on to my own kids. I think that says a lot
0: to be able to travel, go to different countries, meet different people. It only does grow you and open you up more. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes just as humanity, so to speak, I think if we allowed ourselves more of those experiences, we would really get to see humanity from a different lens. Because at the end of the day, I think that's i think that's what we all want, and that's what every culture wants, is just to be able to be seen and see the, the humanity in all that we are and all that we do.
1: I think so. I think so. Though, I will say, just to make it clear, and I think we both know that there have been plenty of people in history who have traveled and have done a great disservice to the places that they've traveled in terms of conquering and colonizing and the like so and I definitely have experienced people who have been outside of their um, homeland who have brought with them a similar attitude maybe not to the same degree (laughs) they didn't have the same ambitions but their general attitude was the same and that still happens so I do believe like wherever you go, there you are. I, I do think that for the person who just wants to, who sees that there the world is big and in a way it's big and in a way it's small. For the person who wants so tr- to travel and just whether it's traveling to another continent or whether it's traveling to another neighborhood within your town, just experiencing something outside of yourself can be amazingly, an amazingly beautiful experience.
0: And I would agree with that. And I would go on to ask, what was your traveling like as a Black woman during that time? And you're going to different countries where maybe Black women black people might not have been received the same way mm-hmm. but yet you did not let that stop you from traveling
1: mm-hmm.
0: were there any experiences that you would want to share that you had as a black woman traveling across the globe
1: yeah it's a good question it's not always it's not utopia out there i don't know that utopia can be found externally that much I think I've gathered pretty much come to that conclusion it was it's not a a walk in the park it's not like you can leave somewhere and if you leave if you want to leave your current situation thinking that it's going to be better somewhere else it's probably not the right reason to leave because certain aspects of it might be better but the pretty much guaranteed there will be something else that's not so great that will replace it. Being traveling as a, a Black woman, I often was assumed to be a prostitute mm. in some places. I, I've i been confronted in stores or followed around in stores and, and not just followed around, but literally confronted and told that they know that I'm stealing something. When clearly, when I wasn't. I have been pursued by men who assumed that if I was, the fact that I was out on my own meant that I was free and available for their pleasure, you name it. (laughs) Like, I absolutely had those experiences. I And I don't know why I didn't shrivel from that. I don't know what it was exactly only to say that i didn't i wasn't those things so in my mind i didn't i guess there was enough dissonance there where i thought okay they think i'm that but i'm not that and i'm right because i know so i don't care what they think like it it was more that attitude more so than oh they think i'm this thing damn them like Mm. why do we think I'm this thing like and digging into what they thought of me if that makes sense and I don't know why I I didn't harp on there and I'm sure I did from time to time I'm sure it maybe got to me but overall it didn't really it didn't really get to me you did
0: what you did I would say when you were first in Costa Rica and didn't quite leave For three to four months and you went back to within knowing that was not you and you kept tapping into that within and while i'm sure those experiences you had moments where i can't believe i'm dealing with this again i'm just here traveling and trying to get this experience so i'm sure that crept in but then you still allowed yourself to go back to within to remind yourself they can think that but you know what that's not me and I'm not going to continue to allow them to define who I am and what my experience should be as a black woman traveling in this country.
1: That's so beautiful. Like I've never even, I've never even in my own life reflecting back, <laughs> put those <laughs> things together, but it's so true. It's so true. I think that's exactly what I did probably like. I, I went within and to your point, there are moments when I never ever thought that I was questioned whether I was a prostitute or not, or questioned sure. whether <laughs> I was a thief or something. But there are certainly times when <clears throat> I was questioned what are you doing here? Like, why are you wasting your life? I'd have people like, wondering what's the point of you being in this other country expand there. I had thoughts, well, God, what am I doing? What am I doing? All my friends at the time were in, in grad school becoming doctors or, you know, lawyers or some other profession or on the track on a track to get their MBAs or something else that like there was a defined end point where at that end point they would then be able to attain some higher level of being Whereas what I was doing was very uncertain. And, and so there were, there were times amongst in that uncertainty where I did have moments of, I have no idea why I'm doing this and moments of doubt, but I don't know. I think maybe ultimately I had the benefit again, as I mentioned of having the family upbringing that I had. But then also the benefit of youth where you just youth you just, is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just do things and it, it didn't matter so much. I also met people, I don't want to leave this conversation without acknowledging people along the way. Like I did not do this in a vacuum. And I there's no way that I would have been able to do any of this in a vacuum. Like I met, that's again, a whole nother podcast or maybe book. The people that I met along the way, I think partly because I was open. People from Steve the juggler to <laughs> Like, you know, gosh, oh my gosh. A couple who owned sex, they're in the sex trade. I did did not participate in the trade, just to be (laughs) clear, Um, in Costa Rica myself. But like, I met this couple and that's what they did for a living. Like they own the business. And there, there are so many characters and people along the way who I think I've benefited greatly from and who gave me a perspective that there are other ways of living. From this woman who I met, her and her husband, they just sailed. They, for the last 10 years, they were just sailing up and down from South America to North, way North America. They lived on a boat with their two small kids. And that's, that was their life. They, they would stop at different ports along the way and repair their boat and sell some stuff to make money. But that was their life. And to me, first of all, Indiana's landlocked. I've never even met a sailor before, but to meet some a family, nonetheless, not even just a person, but a family who was living this way, just gave me a whole different perspective of how to be beyond myself and definitely beyond my, my blackness in a way. that mm-hmm. made-
0: Did seeing them living as a family on a boat give you that vision that someday as you have a family that you might want to live in a different way?
1: Yeah, probably. Like I, I, from, I don't know when the moment happened, but I do remember pretty early on. And I was not one of these people who envisioned my marriage, my, my wedding with the dress. I, on my wedding day, my aunt, who, <laughs> it's funny, like she, she goes to my husband and she's, I never thought I'd see Kaylee married. I can't oh even imagine. <laughs> and she's good. And my husband told me this. I can't believe she told me that. But I understand why she said that because I was just not one of these people who ever envisioned that for myself it happened and it's great but but what I did envision was if I ever were to have a family I definitely want to have my kids experience what it's like to be an expat in their youth I'd love for them to have that experience so yeah Yeah. probably yeah
0: I think that's great, and I think being able to give that experience to your kids only enriches their lives as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think so. Now, one one more question, and then I really want to get into Earthy Executive, <laughs> but I could chat with you all night long. Really, so many good <laughs> stories, and although we know each other, it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is special for me too that I really get to that you get to trust me to share your story. And so I'm so thankful to be able to hear that from you. What would be one advice that you would give to a Black woman who wants to travel and experience life in different countries?
1: If you want to do it, I guess the most simple advice would be to just do it. That sounds very simple, but... It doesn't have to be complex. So often we put these imaginary barriers in front of us. Oh, we're too old. Oh, we don't have anyone else to travel with. Oh, I don't know the language. Oh, I don't know anybody there. Oh, I've never been on an airplane or I've never ordered or secured an Airbnb by myself. Like all of these artificial barriers that just aren't real. There may be obstacles, but they're not barriers in the sense of you can't overcome them. And this isn't me trying to minimize the fear, because I will say one thing, Maureen, and this is this, I don't know, it may be surprised, surprising to people. There was a time a few years ago, a few years back when I was just at my wit's end as a mother, mm-hmm. as a wife, as someone living in this, in the suburbs and just overcome with responsibility for caring for other people that I needed to get away. And so fortunately I have a pretty understanding husband who was like, all right, go. And I took my first solo trip. And I decided to fly to Seattle, Washington, which I'd never been, but I love the mountains. And all I knew about Seattle was that there were mountains and it was green and I'd never been there. So (laughs) I wanted to go and I did. And up to that point, this was probably, oh, maybe six or seven years into our marriage. And up to that point, I married a guy who likes to care for his family. So he was largely in charge of organizing the place we would go, the air flight, you know, tickets and like all of the things. But in that time, I have to say, I think I became dull to, my senses dulled a little bit about how to be like a little independent. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, like when I was thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm taking this trip. I scheduled my flight. It wasn't like I just easily scheduled my flight, got my Airbnb, got there, got the um, car. Like I was scared. Like I was like, I remember getting to the the airport and thinking, oh shoot, now I have to go and pick up my car. And, and I panicked because I had thought I had lost my credit card, need a credit card to to Mm -hmm. secure it. And just, I can just remember the feelings coming up in me, every point of the way, being super nervous about, okay, I'm going to get this car and then, okay, I'm going to now try to navigate through Seattle to get to my Airbnb. Okay. Now I'm going to reach out to the person that owns the Airbnb. And I don't know if they're going to be like some weirdo that wants to kill me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. I can do that the next morning. Now I want to go to visit this mountain. All right. I'm going to try to navigate myself to get there. All right. Now I'm going to walk the mountain. Every step of the way, I was terrified, right? So I'm saying this. Oh, go ahead. No, keep going because this is so good. So good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying this to say the fear is going to be there, right? The fear is going to be there. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. But you have to just do it anyway. If you want to do it, just do it anyway. Exactly. And
0: the reason why I think this point is so important, I say the fear is going to be there anyway. Every woman that I have had a chat with and or that I have worked with tells me the fear that shows up for them. And Mm. the difference is the ones that embrace the fear, and just do it anyway, and just do it so freaking scared, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they know that I'll just get to the next step, and then I'll figure out the next step, and I'm freaking scared as can be, but Mm -hmm. I am just going to keep going, okay, I've got step A done, boom, okay, step B, oh my goodness, I'm scared again, how the heck Mm -hmm. do I do this, okay, work through it, do it scared, boom, step C comes along. And it just keeps going like that. And I think Mm -hmm. what you say is so important, particularly for women Mm -hmm. and in my own journey, but we feel that fear and we often want to run.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And think about if you had allowed fear to take over, how you would have missed out on an experience that really just Mm -hmm. unfolded for you. And if there's anything I want women to hear from this or hear for their lives, he is that show up anyway, that fear will always be there. So just do it scared, embrace the fear.
1: Absolutely. The beauty of this and you're so spot on. You're so spot on. But as you were talking, I was, and this may lead us into the conversation about Earthy Executive and my experience in in working with women, is the beauty of this lesson is that all of us have been able to move beyond that fear in some way or another, right? The fact that I've been able to do it, I wouldn't say effortlessly, But I've been able to do it to a point with regards to my sense of adventure and my love for travel and my love for, you know, connecting with people. I've been able to do it in, in a way where we can talk about it. Clearly, there are other aspects of my life where I struggle with that a little bit more. That's, I think that's human nature. There are plenty of women who I work with who... Aren't able to generate that sort of momentum of like moot that you were describing of having the fear, doing it anyway, having it again, doing it anyway. They're not able to generate that in one aspect of, the, of their life, but they're also not able to see how they have been able to generate that in other aspects of their life. So part of the work that I do with them is to help them to see where they've been able to generate that and then have that translate to other parts of their life.
0: And I think that's a great segue for you to just explain to the audience a little bit about what Earthy Executive is and what it is that you actually do.
1: Yeah. So, Earthy Executive. So, I'm a coach. I'm a life coach, and I have been a life coach since it feels like the beginning of time. (laughs) I think now it's becoming a little bit more common what we do. And, but oh my gosh, I started working in this industry. I always have to think how old my second oldest daughter is because when I was pregnant with her, or is it the second oldest? Yeah, it's the second oldest. When I was pregnant with her, is it the second oldest now? I'm like questioning myself. <laughs> was it... So I had two daughters that were born in Chicago, and I remember being in Chicago. I think actually, I think it was my third old, third, third oldest. When I was pregnant with her, I and when I went into labor, I was actually completing my training to become a, a life coach, and I had gone in for this. And you don't need to know all this, but I'll just sit, sit, tell it quickly. I had gone in to, for a routine check. I was like towards the end of term. And they determined that she was, her heartbeat was irregular and they needed to put me on this monitor. So I can just to measure her heartbeat and I remember I had class still. This was like, I was almost done with my certification and I was like, but I have class, I don't have time for this. <laughs> so they were like, all right, bring your, bring your computer in. And literally they had me wrapped up, strapped up to this like heart monitor for the baby. And I was meanwhile on my laptop, like doing my certification for this um, coaching class. But so yeah, that was like 10 years ago, but yeah. So Earthy Executive was just born out of this idea of, wow of wanting to work with women to help them uncover their sense of adventure and uncover to step beyond who they thought they were and who they um, wanted to be and step into who they wanted to be or who they thought who they had been at one time. And I work with women who just really need to explore that sense of themselves. So do you look a
0: lot... Do you work a lot on mindset?
1: I, I I do, and it's in my view, it's a lot about mindset. I think that's probably my main way of of working with working with women, and just helping them to see see their life, to see themselves differently. That said, I do also incorporate some sort of mind body exploration as well i'm a huge proponent of the sort of holisticness of us and really that sort of came out of my own experience i can remember being in so i'm also i also went to school for psychology and a lot of my studies were very mind based and cognitive and i can remember just it not fully resonating, right? Like there being something that was just not sticking. Like I really wanted to think differently, but was having a hard time doing that. And what I recognized about myself was that I tended to, like when I was sitting trying to think of something and think of a change, it wouldn't happen. But the moment I got up, and I walked, or I moved and I danced, or I was able to just move my body in, in a way, like I was able to understand a little bit more. I was able to feel, I was, under, I was able to recognize where those feelings were residing in my body. So while it is, yes, there is a lot of mindset that, that I use to draw on my teaching there's also a lot of body-mind uh, stuff as well that I encourage.
0: I, I love that you include the whole picture in a holistic approach because, yes, the mindset is key, but I agree with movement, and I think there's something about movement in the body that allows you to just, first of all, you're letting go of that stress. It allows the, a little bit of the fear to let go or a little bit of the resistance to shake out. And then it allows you to feel a little bit more free in order to be able to be more open and receive. So I think that holistic approach, it can, is so key and beneficial to to so many people.
1: Mm -hmm, Now, mm
0: In the women that you work with, what's been some of or what might be the most common thread that you might see that fate that women are faced with? Do you find a common thread mm-hmm. or not?
1: Yeah, there are probably a few. I think recently with with COVID and our experience with the 2020, I think it's universally in. Perhaps this is true of women and men, just the sort of fear or the unease with uncertainty has certainly become an issue of life being, having been upended in a way where they're not really sure. They know that something needs to change. I think it's actually a beautiful thing. I think the fact I would that they've that. been like shaken a little bit. I love it b- when they come to me and they're like, Oh, I don't know. There's been all of this sort of thrown with this uncertainty thrown in the mix. And I just don't know. And I feel like there's something that needs to happen differently, but I just don't know. And I'm like, this is awesome. Because <laughs> like, I I don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of, a lot of pain that has come about this year and a lot of people who have suffered for sure. And it's horrible and heartbreaking, but I would say if we can think of a silver lining that has come from this, from those of us who have had the benefit and I don't, the privilege in a way of having survived, physically survived 2020 and in, in COVID, one of the silver linings of it is that it has shaken us up to, or to really think about what it is we want. What do we want to continue living the way that we have lived? And if so, great, then you know that. Or is there something that's been shaken in you that is calling for you, like a yearning that's calling for you to do something different? I think that silver lining has been in a way, a tremendous gift of in the midst of this tragedy that's been offered to us.
0: I would definitely agree to that. I think it's been a bit of an awakening for many Mm. people, Mm
1: -hmm. an awakening
0: of the soul, an awakening of just what your heart might have been yearning for. And it's allowed, and I think it's, I guess I want to say, I think it's allowed people to be more open to receiving that awakening during this time than maybe prior.
1: I think there's the potential for sure. Now, I can't help but thank my Lord. All of the conversation around school, reopen I've been in the thick of that because I'm involved in the PTA here and you have people digging in on both sides and I definitely see... Uh, I definitely see where there has been opportunity for what you described in awakening, but I also see where there's been a really digging in of a resistance of just wanting to fear base. No, I need to have things this way. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm not sure I'll be able to deal. So I've seen both sides and I've come, I think I've come to the conclusion that in general life. I would love for this reawakening to reawaken all of us and for all of us to now see the light, but I don't know. I don't know. That is how it works. (laughs) I
0: think you make a very good point. I think you make a very good point. And I think by human nature, the dichotomy of both will exist. Yes. And I think you said it really well that there's the both sides that are, ever present and sprouting forth yes now as you work with these amazing wonderful souls what about you what do you do to help your own mindset or help your whole self be able to show up every day it's
1: mm-hmm. a good question so it's very simple like i so not complex at all like i since COVID, when COVID started, I just started taking these really long walks. Part of it is that we got a puppy. T'Challa. COVID, a T'Challa. We got T'Challa, our COVID dog. And the kid it was one of those situations where the kids were like, they did not walk in at least <laughs> for the first year. And I think he's, he helped me get through that first year because out of necessity, I had to, he needed to go out to use the bathroom. So I ended up taking him out every morning, crack on, dawn and going on these walks. And that just continued where I would go on these super long walks all throughout town. And then sometimes they were accompanied by a friend. I'm not a hugely social person, unlike my husband. I do have friends. It will take a walk with in, in the mornings and just commune with. I, I've, Definitely getting outside is and moving is for me like really all that I need and having good conversations with people that I love and care about.
0: All things that we can learn from and include in our everyday to help us show up and just be present and get through the day.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Now tell me, do you have any new adventures coming up or is that still something in the works?
1: New adventures? I would say, yeah, I think so. So we're selling our house. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's an adventure. That, that, that's an adventure. That's um, an adventure. Yes, that's that's we're we're about to be thrown into the midst of yet again an experience of putting a house on the market. And I think we've lived here for in this town for nearly eight years. And it's been a beautiful place that has nurtured our entire family and in particular our four girls in a way that they're a little bit nervous, a lot. Some of them are a lot lot nervous about this next, next adventure. And I can understand that this is all they've known. And, and we're, we are headed to Panama. Wow. <laughs> the adventure
0: continues. continues. And I think what's pretty great about this one is your kids get to experience a little adventure themselves.
1: They do. Of course, when you have kids, before you have kids, I should say, you envision how they will be and how they will react in how they will show up in the world in in some ways and when you have four kids you quickly understand that at least one of them if not all four are not going to be anything like you envisioned because (laughs) it's just a numbers thing. Like It's just not going to happen. Again, this is one of those situations where I will say not all of them are fully on board with the move, but as their parent, as their mom who loves them very much and trusts that this will be if, if not an easy adventure it will be a memorable one
0: good so. good good oh I wish you guys all the best in your new adventure is that something pretty special for you and for your kid girls so I think it will be you adding another chapter to your adventure and I think there is a book that needs to come out of all your adventures somewhere <laughs> along the line <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll see perhaps <laughs> So what I'd like to do is one, where can people find you for Earthy Executive? If anyone is looking for some coaching and help with mindset, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, you can go to my website, earthyexecutive.com or send me an email at Kaylee, k a l i at earthyexecutive.com. I will be more than happy to respond to you in a business day, give a day or so and yeah, chat with you more about what we do.
0: Awesome. 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 And before we wrap up, I always end with a question for my guests.
1: Okay. Kelly, what would you tell your 21 year old self? Oh, my 21 year old. It's funny because I I can, when I was 21, I was in Costa Rica. I think that was when I found out that Jerry Garcia died. I was working as, a, as working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. No, I, w- I was working as a waitress in a, a <laughs> in a restaurant actually, and I overheard these guys talking about Jerry Garcia having died. And I had seen The Grateful Dead several times in when I was younger, and and I was just in shock. I had not he, his death was a shock. It wasn't unexpected, and and I was standing there. I didn't even have anybody to share the the shock with but that's not answering your question what would I say to myself I would just say oddly I would probably tell 21 year old me to live a little more and I know that sounds strange because I was in Costa Rica and By all intents and purposes, I was living, but I also, like I mentioned, had a lot of fear inside and reservation. And I just think of the things that I could have done even more of had I just been even more open and being been a little bit more courageous to try. I would have just said, just fine. Just live a little more. It's okay. It's all right. Do it. So there you have it live a little more.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I so appreciate our chat and I think you are going to inspire so so many women. And thank you for joining me again on another episode on Mo Chats. And remember, keep living life while constantly straightening out your crown. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Mo Chats. Remember, you can check us out at www.molifespeaks.com. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Molifespeaks. And remember, keep living life while constantly straightening out your crown.